Lord have mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen, and today I have a guest that I'm hoping to get to know better as a friend and uh uh, contact out there in the world. Her name is Carrie Lynn Taft. Hi, Carrie. Hello, John. Welcome. I'm talking to you as you sit in Arizona. So it's like five o'clock in the morning or shortly after five o'clock in the morning there. Wow. Yes, it's super early. Yes. And I am super honored, uh, super honored that you uh, get up so <laughs> early for little old me. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. You know, we kind of, we're kind of taking this episode on the fly. We didn't plan anything. I just kind of reached out to a group of um, Americans that I know on a Facebook group that we're both a part of and uh, quite a few answered, but you had the most interesting answer. Uh, about things that you could possibly talk about and contribute uh, with. So this is, I'm looking forward to this being uh, kind of interesting. Tell us about yourself. What what do you do for a living? So I am an exercise physiologist. Yeah. Um, I teach at a college. I teach fitness classes. Um, and what college? I, um, it's called Glendale Community College. It's located in Arizona. Glendale, Arizona. Okay. Glendale, Arizona. Um, I teach fitness classes. I also work in a sports lab. So I'm, um, you know, coordinating appointments in the lab, running appointments where we're doing performance testing. So um, testing lactate thresholds on athletes, um, wow, okay. maximal oxygen consumption test. And then we have all of our students in there that do testing as well and learn how to use the lab, learn how to become a fitness professional. Uh -huh. um, and do different testing, different assessments on their clients to better help their clients in the future. So you're into the whole science of training. You don't just do it, you teach it, and you don't just teach it, you know it through and through. That's very interesting. Yes. I'm a big uh, nerd and... I love learning. I love reading. So for me, being able to put fitness and exercise and science together um, is just fantastic. It's a dream job. I love working in a lab. I love teaching. Um, I love physiology just in general. Seeing Interesting. how the body works, how the body responds to uh, primarily exercise. I'm trying to transition a little bit more into the clinical world. So using exercise to combat um, illness and various conditions like heart conditions, diabetes. Okay, so ex you're thinking exercise and its uh, preventive uh, aspects and how it can keep you from getting certain ailments. Well, or, or, the after, or, or as a, as a yes. therapy. Yes, definitely. Okay. okay. Um, so my goal is to eventually work in medical research um, oh. using exercise to you know, tell us someone's um, risk of uh, or chance of survivals after surgeries or, you know, when we expect them to die based off of their maximal oxygen consumption levels. Um, and then just using, you know, fitness as an assessment tool to, um, you know, older adults and their cognitive health and their activities of daily living, how we can improve their quality of life um and exercise can definitely do that 
Very interesting. You know, that's something that I've always believed in. That's something I've always preached to my uh, friends, associates, and clients. But I don't have that that educational background to back it up. Uh, you know, so when I talk about the therapeutic aspects of training and what it can do for you mentally, what it can do for you uh, in your social life, in your business life, you know, how physical fitness bleeds over into other aspects of one's life. I talk about that all the time and I can see, you know, there's varying degrees of reception with the people I talk to. Uh, and I think that's, mo as I said, mostly because I don't have that educational background to back it up. But you, what, what level of education does it take for you to, is it, is it a bachelor's? Is it a uh, PhD? So most people, oh, oh I'm so sorry. Hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> dogs have rights too. Let them talk. <laughs> those are, those are my dogs and it's uh, 5 a.m. So they're soon asking for food here. <laughs> um, but so it depends on, you know, what you want to do with fitness. Um, sadly, and I'm super passionate about this, sadly, the term personal trainer is not licensed. So anyone can become a personal trainer. You could literally watch a YouTube video and say, I'm a personal trainer. Right. However, it does not require any kind of certification. You cannot waive or you don't have to waive any kind of a degree or certification in a client's face. You can just call yourself a personal trainer. Correct. Yeah. So if, if you are going to hire a personal trainer, you should most definitely hire someone who's a certified personal trainer. Now, being certified does not mean you've gone through any education other than perhaps the course offered by the organization who's offering the certification. But there are also organizations that just say, here, pay us $500 and take the test. Right. There's a lot and of people though, over, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people over here in Norway that do this thing I've been hearing about. Or I've been hearing about it for years, actually. They go and they take a trip to Bali. Yes. They come yes, back 30 days, 60 days later or whatever, and all of a sudden they're a personal trainer with a nice tan. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I Correct. just don't understand right. that concept. <laughs> but, but what about, what about a, okay, I have all respect for people who go the educational route, but what about mm. someone like myself? You know, I, I'm 50 years old, snart, snart, that's, that's Norwegian. Soon I will be, <laughs> soon I will be 51. And I've, mm -hmm. I've been training, uh, and I say training, not working out, but training since I was a kid, since I was a preteen. So I have 40, roughly 40 years of experience. How does mm -hmm. that situation, how does that package weigh up against someone who goes the educational route? Isn't there a certain amount of yeah, practical experience that plays into the whole. Most definitely. I, I do think that practical experience does play a role. Um, for those who are interested in this industry, kind of wanting to, to be a professional, mm -hmm. they tend to at least have a bachelor's degree. Okay. Um, to do medical research, like I'm wanting to do, I need to finish pursuing a PhD. Okay. How close um, are you to being finished? Oh, I'm not close at all. I have okay. like five years left. <laughs> and that, and that right Maybe there, four. <laughs> that right there is what makes me say, I just have to manage with the brain power that I have. I could not, I, I don't know. I don't have the patience or the focus to, to continue a long-term education that goes over, you know, I can watch a YouTube video the last 10 minutes. After that, my attention span is just yeah. gone. 
all respect to those of you who go that route with the education. All respect. For me, like graduate school is way better than undergraduate school because in graduate school, you're actually learning what you're focused on, what you're interested in. You're getting into the nitty gritty of those. Yes, have a more um, engagement, I guess, more enthusiasm towards your your goal. You know, it's right. you can more see it in sight. Um, but back to your question regarding personal experience, I definitely think uh, personal experience is going to help you. I do not think necessarily you have to have a formal education to be successful in any industry unless you know you're practicing medicine or something um but i i do think with a formal education you have a better chance of being long-term successful um i think the fitness industry is one of those industries that kind of can prove that to be a little wrong because we do see so many you know, Instagram trainers and Facebook trainers yeah. and YouTube trainers and people who basically are just, you know, kind of like you. Oh, I've been training since I was preteen and now I want to do that for a living. And then they they look the part, they, they you know, talk the talk, they get uh-huh. people to sign up, they make money, word of mouth, they have a couple of clients that are happy and then they keep going from there. So I'm not saying that it's impossible. I for me, I'm I'm very much into academia. Yeah. So I really value an education. Absolutely. Um, but I do think there's definitely a lot of value to having some personal experience. Sure. I would think that that discipline, the, the discipline that it takes to go uh, the, 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 the scholastic route. Mm-hmm. Is that a coyote or your dog in the background? <laughs> Those are my dogs. I'm about to... <laughs> Spray them with the water bottle. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, those who go the scholastic route, you know, you have your three, four, maybe five years for a bachelor's and then, you know, another three or four or up to five years for a PhD or a doctorate. That instills or it requires a certain level of discipline from that individual. Mm-hmm. And that discipline is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. They're, you know, you talk about like the Instagram trainers. Some of them are fantastic at what they do and they have zero education, but then some of them, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're pretty, they got all the right lumps as I, as I like to mm-hmm. say, and they're good at promoting themselves. And it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a factory and they're just churning out the clients and, and they're not really giving them any kind of quality and what they do. And that is the downside yes. of not going the educational route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I, it irks me a little bit because they, they dumb down my industry. Right. So it kind of shows, you know, the average Joe on the street who wants to hire a trainer that, Oh, well, why would I go pay this much more for this person over here who has all the degrees and certifications when I can pay less for this Instagram model over here? Um, and I see that especially now during this COVID-19 period, everyone is now some sort of fitness trainer on Facebook doing Facebook live classes. And I mean, it's wonderful that people are trying to encourage other people to exercise. Awaken that Um, awareness of uh, what physical fitness means. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but, (laughs) 
they're irking you. <laughs> you know, just the tag. But I understand you know, that. I, I do understand I that. I, I see things that people are doing that are so, um, you know, elementary mistakes, in my opinion, yeah, yeah. based off of just simple biomechanics, not at a graduate level. This could be, you know, we teach our students this at the associate level before the bachelor's degree, uh -huh. you know, start with the larger muscle groups, for example. And I'll see trainers start teaching their classes with bicep curls, for example. I see. You know, and, and for the average person, they don't know this. But yeah. anyone who's done a certification should know, you know, you need to start with the larger muscle groups. You want to fully prepare the body to work out. You want to get your heart rate up. You want to get your blood flowing, things like that. And then I see someone say, oh, we're going to do a super hard class today. And they start with bicep curls. And yeah. I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, where do you see yourself within the let's call it the fitness industry. Where do you see yourself in five years? What is your ultimate vision? Uh, you know, the cumulative effect of all the education that you have, where do you want to be? What do you want to do? So as far as the fitness industry goes, I'm, I've been teaching classes. So dance and fitness for now this, this year in the fall will be my 20th year of teaching. Um, and I've been working at the college for about four going on five years soon. And, um, I truly love being in academia, but I kind of see myself getting out of teaching as many fitness classes. Um, and when I say fitness classes, I mean group fitness, I see. you know, your, your aerobics class or your Zumba class or your average body sculpting class. I see myself definitely kind of getting out of teaching as many of those as I do. I definitely want to keep teaching a few because it's so fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to work more the medical route. So I okay. want to do research and Fascinating. Um, yeah. So medical research. Yeah. Fascinating. Hey, I'm a Zumba instructor. Believe it or not. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> yes, I am. Awesome. I am uh, probably the heaviest, uh, <laughs> most powerlifter-like Zumba instructor in the world. 270-pound Zumba <laughs> instructor. I was actually the first, um, I, th I do believe I was the first gym in northern Norway to bring in Zumba. This was way back when Zumba first started, and I owned three training centers at that time. I'll never forget mm -hmm. that. Gosh, we had... Uh, there's a line of ladies just snaking out through reception, out the door and into the parking lot, waiting to get yeah. in to take those classes. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let me let me ask you, what is your connection to Norway? Gosh. Well, it it started um randomly. So both of my parents um are American. And I was born in Arizona. Um, my parents, they, they split up when I was a child. And my mother remarried. And uh, the guy she married was Norwegian. Uh -huh. So when I was a little kid, we moved to Norway. And uh, basically, I grew up there. I spent almost 20 years of my life there. Um, and then I moved back to the United States. When, when did you move back to the States? Seven years ago, I call okay. it my quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first, so the first twenty years were in Norway, exclusively in Norway. Or no, you said you were born in Arizona. 
I was born in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, I was. How old were you then when you came to Norway? Ten years old or so. Okay, so you probably yeah, slid right into the. School. You probably slid right into the society when it comes to language and whatnot. Being that young. Yeah. So when I first moved there. They, they threw us in a class. It was called Mutaksklasse. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what you would call that in English, the receiving class. I don't, yeah, receiving <laughs> I don't class, know. yeah. Um, so they, they threw us into that class. And I mean, it was children from all over the world. Um, uh, the Middle East, there was a girl from China. There was a boy from Canada. Uh, my sister and I from America, There, or I should say North America. There were kids from all over. Yeah. Um, but I remember particularly the girl from China and the boy from Canada because they were the only other ones that spoke English. Okay. And in that class, they did not speak English to us. And mm. they did not speak any English because it would be unfair for those who didn't speak English. So all they did was speak Norwegian. So but how did you, how did that help you to learn or did it help you to learn Norwegian then? I would think well, it did because you had no choice to talk. So they would hold up, they would hold up and we were all ages too. So, I mean, my sister's a year younger than me yeah. and the boy from Canada was probably like four years younger than me. So it felt weird being in a class as a 10 year old with a six year old. Yeah. Um, but they held up little signs that said, you know, like a picture of an apple. And then they would okay. say, cause that's what I was looking for was the reference, mm -hmm. the reference point. You know, if they're just blabbing in Norwegian, how in the world can you connect that to English in order to do a translation and start to learn Norwegian? But okay. They use pictures. I see. It's oh. basically kindergarten. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's basically kindergarten for, you know, the, there was one boy in the class that was 14 years old. Yeah. I remember feeling um, stupid because not because I didn't know the language, but because of the way they were teaching us, um, you know, they held up a spoon and then they said, share. And yeah. I, I understand they were teaching us, but I felt really dumb. Um, and then they, they tried to keep it like a typical Norwegian school schedule. Uh -huh. it, it was at a Norwegian school. So we were just in our own classroom, but you know, we did swimming, we had recess and lunch and everything just like all the other kids did. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it forced us to yeah. learn the society and the culture, um, at a way faster rate. And within three months, I was already speaking Norwegian. It wasn't fluent. And there was definitely um, some mistakes. Uh -huh. But I was I you were was able to converse able. and be understood and to understand others. Yep. Okay. Yep. How about socially? How did you adjust socially? Was it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how old you are, but this was probably a handful of years ago. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and I'm not making fun of your age. Good Lord, I just admitted I'm 50, almost 51. So. <laughs> but, but did you experience any difficulties being a woman of color? What, what is your racial background? Oh, absolutely. I'm biracial. My mother's Caucasian and my father's, well, my mother's deceased, but she was Caucasian and my father's African-American. Uh -huh. um, and, um, you know, A, my name is Carrie. Norwegians can't do, as you know, the American R. But yeah, and um, they can't even say John, so, so I, I feel you on that. <laughs> yeah, and so they would call me Keddie. Yeah. My sister, her name is Eva, and she would just say Eva because Eva, that was yeah. so much easier for them. Yeah. But yeah. I would never, I would want them to say Carrie. Right. Um, and so 
it was hard. I mean, I, I was born in Arizona. I had never seen snow before. Yeah. I mean, moved in February. Oh, I my gosh. You came right in the middle of winter. Got off the airplane <sighs> and like was like, what in the world? I remember building my first snowman and crying afterwards because my fingers were so cold and it. I've never <laughs> felt that pain before. I will oh. never forget crying. Um, but when I moved there in you know the early 90s there weren't many um you know people of color there and no. if they were they were immigrants yeah. um you know coming directly from africa seeking right. asylum or right. running away from war or poverty right. or whatever so you kind of i would kind of just get lumped in with being i was an immigrant that's that's not sure, wrong to say sure. but i would be lumped in with um you know the asylum seeking exactly. immigrants yeah, which i yeah. was not right and i do believe that norway has broadened its horizons the past 10 to 20 years um but when i was there you know there they still didn't everyone still didn't even speak english now everyone speaks english there right they didn't right. used to all speak english there right um and i remember it being so much harder because my mother was caucasian and she married a caucasian man and, and then, there me you are. then yeah. not looking like you know either of those people getting questions if i'm adopted or where and oh and and let me just side note here go on a tiny bit of a tangent when people say where are you from i'm sure mm. you've heard this as well and i say america the united yeah. states of america oh well where are your parents from the united states of america <laughs> oh but where are their grandparents are the united states what are you getting at oh well someone yeah. asked you from africa <laughs> And, you know, my in the beginning, I was like, what in the world? Because being yeah. born in Arizona, there's people of all races, all yeah. ethnicities. Here. Yeah. In Norway, you don't see that as much. And, you know, in the beginning, I was like, this asshole is racist. But I think it's just them being I think it's a lack of knowledge. Yeah, it's ignorance. Not yes. racism, but ignorance. And so... But having said that, there's a lot of ignorant son of a guns walking around here because now yes. tw 20 years after 25, maybe 30 years after your experience, there's people mm -hmm. who still do that. I get that. Yeah. Where are you from? United States. Yeah. But before that, um, United States. <laughs> yeah. But right. You know, I, I, I've had people right. insist, insist that there's something wrong with me because I don't speak Swahili. I should speak Swahili because I look like I'm from mm -hmm. certain countries in Africa and they see a problem with the fact that I don't speak Swahili. I try to tell them I have zero connection to Africa. Of course, genetically, mm -hmm. going back a couple hundred years, somebody was picked mm -hmm. up in Africa and brought as a slave to America. But other than that, right. I, don't have, I don't have a connection. And I don't miss a connection. I have my roots firmly planted in my family in the United States. And some people here just don't get that. They don't understand that. Right. Right. And well, and I even noticed, um, I remember specifically as a teenager, I was probably maybe 14, you know, uh, when you start taking the bus by yourself and thinking you're <laughs> hanging with the cool kids and stuff. I remember specifically meeting, um, randomly some boys from Somalia oh. and they you know I, I almost
almost got it in reverse from them yes. because just like you're saying, I have no connection to Africa. I, I don't speak any of the African languages and them almost yeah. being insulted yes. that I wasn't, you know, attracted to, to them because they automatically assume because I'm a woman of color that I'm going to automatically gravitate to, to a yeah, man of color. Yeah. Now, these were Somalis, mm -hmm. you and said? I never, yes. Okay. And I had never experienced any, and, and this is my ignorance, growing up or, and well, being born and living the first few years of my life in Arizona, I had never experienced any Africans. No. I had only experienced African Americans, meaning people such as yourself and yeah. myself yeah. who have no connection to Africa. Right. So then when I came to Norway and then I saw these people, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're really dark. Yeah, and yeah. and what language are they speaking? And, yeah. and, you know, for me, the only other language I ever had heard was Spanish. Right. And then I came right. to Norway yeah. and I heard all these languages and I just fell in love with being around a whole bunch of different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely was difficult being, you know, they would say the brown girl in the yeah. class. Yeah. Um, and it, even my daughter, they say, your mom is dark brown and you're light brown. And my mm -hmm. daughter is very Caucasian looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it was hard growing up with a different name, different hair, different skin tone. And you know, people, even in the 90s, it was hard. And, and immigrants here in Norway, they, I mean, to each his own or her own, they can choose how to react to those kind of things. But one thing that I have stood firm on is my doggone name. My mm -hmm. name is John, and they try to switch it to Yon mm -hmm. or Johan. And I actually had a woman tell me, I was working at a, um, a hospital here, um, just doing some, some part-time work there some years ago. And I went into the, uh, to the admin office to get an ID card. And mm -hmm. she, uh, she says my name and she says, yeah, Jon. And I said, no, excuse me. And of course, I'm saying this in Norwegian. I said, excuse me, my name mm -hmm. is John. And she looked me dead in the face and she says, in Norwegian, she says, you know, you live here in Norway now, you better integrate yourself and you better get used to the fact that your name is Jon. And I, my mind went back to the original Roots series where they were, mm -hmm. where they were beating Kunta Kinte telling him his name was Toby. And I didn't cuss that woman out, but I said her, I, I, I set her in place and I used some pretty strong language telling her what my name is. You know, thinking back on it, I probably overreacted. I should have just let that woman think what she wanted to think. But I do believe that a person's name and a person's identity is what it is. It is that person's name and it is mm -hmm. that person's identity. And I don't think that has anything to do with integration. I mean, they, they can say over here in Norway, they say Johnny Cash with no problem. They say John Lennon with no problem. So they can say right. my name, you know? Right. Well, also, <clears throat> what if your name was, I don't know, something that you can't translate as easily yeah. to a Norwegian version. Yeah. For example, Carrie. What would be the Norwegian equivalent? That would be Kati. No one has ever in their life called me Kati. Yeah, because you know, that is not my name. Yeah. And the thing and the thing is is they can say Carrie. They can, you know. Uh I think oh, yeah. uh, think of the of the former Secretary of State and, and, and uh, former presidential candidate, John Kerry. They mm -hmm. said John Kerry all over the news. 
um, mm-hmm. out in society if they were talking Mariah about no Carey, problems. Jim Carrey. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No problems. So I think it is almost, and for goodness sakes, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to talk bad about Norwegians in general. We're just pointing out uh, uh, what some Norwegians have, uh, and that is a problem to, I don't know, open up their mind a little bit and understand that thing about identity. You know, I, mm-hmm. for example, I've, I've been here for almost 20 years. I am not a Norwegian citizen. I don't want to be. And right. some people are extremely offended by that, but it has to do with my That's identity. very interesting that you say that because my sister is a Norwegian citizen. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we have no biological parents that are Norwegian. No. Um, we just grew up there yeah. from such a small age that it is. And even to this day today, I've been in Arizona now for seven years. I still identify myself as Norwegian. Uh-huh. I am an American citizen, but I identify myself as Norwegian because I feel more Norwegian than I do American. And I think that is because I spent all of those influential years in Norway. Now, because we have no biological American parents, we were never able to seek Norwegian citizenship without giving up our American citizenship. I don't know if the laws have changed now or not. The laws have changed. You can have dual citizenship now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, So my daughter has dual, but her father is Norwegian. Um, Right. But my sister gave up her American citizenship to get a Norwegian citizenship. And, and, you know, we just had, have had so many conversations on that. We'll just never agree on that because I don't want to give up my American citizenship. And I'm not saying it's better to be American, but well, I now, was born an American and I well, want to Well, it's a big one. part of your identity. And that's exactly the way I look at it. I, I take it a step further, though. I feel so grounded in my American identity that, that even though I can have dual now, they've changed the laws. And after you've lived here a certain amount of time, you can have your American citizenship and, and Norwegian citizenship. So I take it a step further and say that I'm so grounded in my American identity that even though I don't have to give that up to get Norwegian citizenship, I still don't want Norwegian citizenship. To me, it just would feel strange. No offense, Norway. You know, I mean, there's 5 million of them. I'm not trying to make any of them mad, <laughs> but, but right. it's, 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 I don't know. It's a, it's a personal choice. It, 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 and it boils I down think to it identity. it is a personal choice. Yeah, and it boils right. down and, to identity. And then that's, exactly, and that's the thing, like, I don't want to give up my American citizenship, mm-hmm. but I do identify myself mm-hmm. as Norwegian. So, you know, I don't know what, what, I don't know how these new rules would affect you in that you don't live in Norway, but again, when it comes to myself, um, mm-hmm. being married to my wife, uh, even if I wasn't married to her, I've been here so long that I can't, if I want to get Norwegian citizenship and keep my American citizenship. I don't know. Maybe you should look into that. I that should. Well, option. I have residency. I do have yeah. residency. Yeah. Um, Are you very often back and forth site. or? I, well, I wanted to go this um, spring break, but I uh, <laughs> couldn't do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it just depends. So um, my daughter actually lives in Norway still. So I okay. do try to go back at least once a year, yeah. um, and then she will come here as well. Now, where is your so, where is your base, so to speak, in in Norway? Is it Oslo or? It's 
Yeah, it's Lillestrøm. So okay. right outside, yeah, right outside of, of Oslo. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. City girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so one of the communes that are right outside of Lillestrøm, but Lillestrøm is okay. like our city. So yeah, I see. That's yeah. what we we yeah. say. We got yeah. city status in 2004. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, if they give Hoxton city status, then it's okay for uh, Lindstrom <laughs> to get city status. <laughs> I, uh, right? Yeah, yeah and, and yes, I'm trying to make fun of Hoxton. I, I, um, as you know, or maybe you didn't know, I'm also a stand-up comedian, and one of the things I do in my routine is to talk so much mess about Hoxton, and I don't even know why I do it. I just picked Hoxton, and they just get run through the ringer in my stand-up routine. <laughs> so. <laughs> There we go. So that's funny. So you, what's it? What's it like there? Now you you're up on a mountain somewhere in Arizona, outside of Glendale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I'm in Phoenix. You're in jobs Phoenix. in Glendale, but I yeah, I'm in okay. North Phoenix. North Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not too familiar with Arizona. Now, North Phoenix is it more of a suburban, rural type of area, or is it more of a city? No, we're definitely city status. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not um, downtown. I actually went downtown the other day, and I I uh, took my dog so we could go walking a little bit downtown. And um, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh wow, I haven't been in the city for a while." But you know, any Norwegian that would come stay at my house, they would be like, "Oh my gosh, this is the city. This is the big city." Um, so I'm I'm. About a ten-minute drive outside of downtown Phoenix. Okay. Um. So I, it's a little bit more suburban than actual downtown, but it's definitely still city life. I just live up in a little, um, I call it a little secret hideaway area <laughs> because it's hidden away and it's right on the mountain. I so. see. But you're far enough yeah. out in the countryside to have that coyote problem. Yeah. So those sons uh, well, of guns are pretty bold you don't have to be out in the country i was when i was working in the chicago area you know 20 years ago before i moved here we would see coyotes not during the daytime but at nighttime in downtown chicago yeah so i live uh literally on the backside of a mountain so i i'm in a condo and um when i open my back patio I'm on the mountain, okay. so I don't have like a gated area or anything. So therefore, we do have coyote. Um, I this past season we had a coyote in heat, a female coyote in heat. Mm. So we had all the all the male coyote, you know, running after her. And they're all crazy and wild. You could hear them screaming at night. And and I've had javelina, which uh, for those who don't know, are like the wild pigs, basically. Okay, yeah. Um, that run outside here. I've had them come all the way up to the patio door had a scorpion inside. I had a snake on the front <laughs> side waiting for me when I came home, a big rattlesnake. Um, we've had some black widow spiders. I have bunnies outside. You know, you uh, should start booking. You, you should start. It, I have it. You should start booking safaris in your neighborhood. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> right now we're dealing with the bee problem. Um, we have bees? Really? come the other day. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We have don't some kill really those guys. Let those guys do their thing. Nest. They're actually pretty aggressive, uh, but the exterminator couldn't find the beehive. Oh, you know but what? When I, you walk outside, you hear a wall of, of 
humming. Some and days. now that I think of it, with you being in the Southwest, isn't there a problem with those those what do they call them? Were they were they African bees? A strain of African bees that are extremely uh, aggressive that started in Mexico and they've been um, charting their migration up through the last two or three decades, moving slowly north, and they're starting to come into Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. Have you heard anything about that? Oh, I read something no, about I did that. I not yeah. know that. Yeah. But you we might, we we have had a bee issue here last year. You might as well. have they might be some of those African bees coming to get you because yeah. you wouldn't talk to those Somali guys back in the day. <laughs> as long as the bees don't sting me, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so you uh you know, we had that that uh, closeness to nature. Not now where we live. I live pretty much right in the middle of a city, but when we were living up north we would have um Big old moose, bull moose, and the cows with yeah. the babies right up at our window, right up uh, mm-hmm. up against the house, and just kind of looking at us and doing their thing. And I kind of miss that closeness to to nature. Yeah, it's uh, basically that, except for the other type of animals. <laughs> but so, do you feel safe where you are? I mean, you, you got these. I don't know. Are there, are there have there been any instances of these coyotes going up on people and threatening them or hurting them? No, not on the people. It's more so watch your animals. Right, your dogs and um, cats, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've, I've been bike riding and I see coyotes just jump, you know, walls that are, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know, two meters high. Yeah, some little um, athletic son of a guns then. Yeah, they yeah. just jump up yeah. and... And I'm like, oh, I hope they don't have pets, you know, because um, it, it's scary. I, I'm a little bit more worried about snakes, though, because I can't see the snakes as well as I can see the coyotes. So right. I feel safe. Um, I do feel safe. It's just when it's pitch black out, yeah. We, yeah. we try not to go out on the mountain or we try to go in the front side of uh, the house just because there's a little bit more light there, but I have seen coyotes all the way up, you know, by my car and stuff. So I don't Sneaky test my, my yeah. Yeah. I don't want to take chances. I do have big dogs, but you just, you, you never know. Those coyotes have to be maybe the smartest animals out there. Just look at how they're spread out all over the place that of course they're out in the wild, but they're also thriving in the cities. There's got to be a certain amount of a, adaptability and, and intelligence behind all that it's pretty fascinating right i yeah i've seen them um over by our pool area just walking around the pool i don't know if they're trying <laughs> to get water or if they're trying to see if any cats are going to come but uh, they act like they own the place and it, it is scary and actually um this past winter we had a flock of uh, wolves that were spotted And I was told by a neighbor that there were some wolves. So she told me to be careful when walking the dogs when it was dark. And, and, you know, I'm like, are you sure that's not coyote? And they had determined Arizona game and, yeah, they call it the. It's called a Mexican wolf, is it not? Uh, I read. I read about that. It's what's it? The Mexican red wolf or something like Mexican? Yeah, something. And they've migrated up from uh, Mm -hmm. from Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty scary when she told me that. I was like, oh. So I did the wolves a little, are even more dangerous than the coyotes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, they got more of a even more of a pack mentality, and they're mm-hmm. you know, bigger, stronger, and t- higher up on the food chain than a coyote. Right. Yeah. 
Now you, uh, you know, you woke up at five in the morning. Uh, is that that's probably a little bit earlier than <laughs> than what you're used to getting up? Actu- so a- actually, not. Um, I well, right now the whole work from home thing. I've been getting up a little bit later, around yeah. like five thirty ish. Yeah, that's what I was getting um, at. How has your routine changed now with this stay at home oh, thing? It's changed so much. Normally, yeah. I get up at three thirty every day. And I'm a super early riser. I love getting up in the morning where the rest of the world is quiet. Oh, yeah. I love that morning moment. Absolutely. Yes. I have some time to, you know, have my coffee and reflect and just prepare myself for my day. And um, then I, you know, take care of the dogs normally out the door by 4, 45 a.m. and go to the gym. I uh, teach fitness. Well, not now because everything is shut down but would teach fitness classes at 5 a.m and um then you know shower and and head to the campus that i work at and um basically just do my day and and then come back home and do some school work and stuff and normally my day would be done around 3 4 p.m twice a week i would teach in the evening at the gym but yeah. um i'm an early bird i love getting up early are you I love um, having those mornings? Are you any kind of an artist, uh, painter, musician, anything like that? Very often, artists are early risers. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely have a creative soul. I um, there you, you go. Know, I've, yeah. I've played instruments. I've I've played trumpet, baritone, and trombone. I have played oh, piano. Cool. Um, I, I never pursued it, but oh. I also did dance. I in Nor- in Norway, I danced for a very long time. I worked for the Norwegian Dance Federation. Oh, did you? I toured. Mm-hmm, I toured on the Danske Bolten. <laughs> That's not just anybody um, who can do that. Good for you. Oh, huh. well, thank you. Yeah. And so I definitely think I'm an artist in that sense. And, and, you know, making choreographies and presenting them, giving them to others. I had dancers who would compete internationally and nationally. And yes. and it, it is your artwork when you are teaching someone a dance that you made, and then they're going to use it for a competition that's in a different country. Um, so I would say I'm an artist. I don't think I'm pursuing my art but i'm very creative i I love music i love movement and for me now my kind of escape from reality is reading um when i was younger i I, I love to read uh self-developmental books so productivity books just getting the most out of life books. So you just take every opportunity you can to feed yourself with positivity. I try to do that because the, the alternative is, is so bad. You know, well, I don't, yeah. there's so much negativity in the world. Yes. So for yes. example, I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. The most news I get is when I open the Google page whatever's on top of Google page or Facebook. And, and I know that, you know, Facebook should not be the place you get your news from, but if there really were a lot of bad things going on where I needed to be informed, I I would be informed. Right. Um, But you're fine with the level of mm -hmm. lack of information that you're gathering because of its negativity. I, I totally get that. 
I totally do. I don't stay away from watching the news, but I do regulate how much I watch the news because, yeah, it gets to a certain point where enough is enough. Yeah, I get it. This, that, or the other horrible situation is going on. I don't need to drown in that every day. You know, Correct. so I can and walk away. Know, I can walk away from it, and, and I try to get it from different sources so that there's a little bit of balance in the in the in the image that I get. But I have definitely taught myself when to walk away from it. Absolutely, and it's I important. have people, you know, on Facebook. I've just unfriended or unfollowed yeah. because yeah, you got to get away from that. Yeah. news, news, yep. news, bad stuff, bad stuff, and I don't want to focus on that. We all have shit excuse my language but yeah. going on in our lives sure, sure. we all have bad stuff and I, I'm not trying to sit here and pretend like my life is perfect because it's far from but I want to focus on the good things versus all the bad stuff and especially the bad stuff that I can't change you know that's an interesting thing you say there the bad stuff that you can't change because what I see now in a lot of these discussions on different different social media platforms, it's people trying to change the other guy's mind. You know, mm-hmm. I have a liberal view and you don't, and here's why you should. And mm-hmm. people butt heads and then it gets ugly and it goes from being a discussion to being a series of accusations that are flung at the so-called other mm-hmm. side. It's just... Right. Uh, why do do you know what I like to compare that with? Yeah. yeah. I, I like to compare it with uh, trying to get someone to quit smoking. You cannot make yeah. them change their mind yeah. about smoking until they're ready yeah. to quit, until they're ready themselves. I tried so that about no 40 years ago. I tried, that. Yep, I tried throwing my mother's cigarettes away for a while. <laughs> I was like 10 years old. It didn't work. Can't change their mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, exactly. you're quite correct. Yeah, there comes to, you know, I, there's, I don't have anything against a healthy discussion or debate, and it can even get heated at times. Mm-hmm. But people take all of the intellectualism out of that debate when they start with the yes. accusations. When they start mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, you just put a stamp on someone's forehead because they're on the left or they're on the right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I ain't got time for that. It's just, it's it's a bu- it's a bunch it, of negativity. It, no, exactly. And it just sucks out your energy. And there's yep. no point of doing that. And yep. I've there's been several you know discussions where I've maybe posted, you know, hey, this isn't actually true, or hey, yeah. where are these facts coming from? Yeah. And then, you know, people just immediately start blaming, you know, the left side or blaming the right side. Yeah. And then at that point, I say, this is my cue to exit the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then instead of answering, you know, the original question, they'll just start spewing more of their opinion yeah. or, yeah. you know, like you're saying, those accusations. And then I just realize there's no yeah. point because... Well, it's you just, won't get anywhere with those people. It's just crazy. The whole political debate or debating period, whether it's politics or mm-hmm. social issues or whatever, it's been dumbed down. Nobody counts on facts anymore. It's all opinion and accusations right. of the other side. I saw on, um, was it on Facebook? Yeah, on Facebook, I saw yesterday there were some pictures and film footage of the people currently protesting the stay-at-home orders in various states. And there were people who were holding up signs saying in, in different ways that this the whole situation is a hoax, uh, the virus issue is fake, it's not serious. And yet those people were wearing goggles and medical masks. Right. While they're holding up signs like that. And it's like, where, you know, 
the, the, the intelligence that is supposed to support any debate seems to be gone for the most part. Right. And it's just, right. it's, it, it's, the, it's nothing and but ugliness. I also feel that it's that way because, and this is especially for Americans, and I do not mean any offense, but they're so occupied with only caring about themselves and only seeing what they can see in front of themselves versus yeah. caring about, you know, other people. Um, and I can have conversations like this all day long, but yep. yesterday I went to the park to work out and I, uh, I found a little area where no one else was. And then I saw the park ranger go talk to some people because they were 10, 11 people having football practice, American football practice. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I get it. These are, these were high schoolers. They're not the people at risk, blah, blah, blah. But I just thought to myself, okay, there are 11 people there. If each of those 11 people interact with three other people today and those three other people interact with three other people, you know, it just, it, they don't think further well, than. Well, I'd like to see more people. Than what they want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are entitled to their opinions, but since when does politics trump science? And I use the word Trump on purpose, but since when does <laughs> politics trump science? You know, the facts of science. Uh, the science says that even though a person is not currently showing symptoms, they can carry the virus and infect others. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't see any reason to not believe that. I'm not a scientist. So in my non-scientist, my non-medically educated brain is going to tell me, listen to someone who does have that medical education. And they're telling right. us what the facts are about that virus, to me, that's good enough to just take it as it is. And if they say stay home, I'm going to stay home because I'd like to live. Right. I'd like to right. live comfortably without being sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like for everyone to live, you know, and, and I'm not fearful of myself getting sick. And I'm fearful of other people getting sick, though. I'm fearful of other people dying from this virus. And, and, when I hear people say, oh, well, let's meet up, let's do this. No, let's not. Because well, I don't know who you're going to interact with. Or those people are saying stay at home, but then you see them hanging out with like yeah. seven other people yeah. and they think it's okay because it's below 10 and yeah. they're sitting six feet away from yeah. each other. No. Well, what do you think Listen, is, like you're saying, to what the science says. What do you think is the reason for people being so defiant, you know, going contrary to what the science is saying about this virus. What do you think is the reason for that? Because it I seems pretty widespread. Yes. And I think there's two reasons in my opinion, well, and this is just my opinion, well, but I think Americans don't like being told what to do. And I think we all have that mentality. It's not going to happen to me. Yeah. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to get sick. So you can't take away my right to, go outside. You can't take away my right to meet up with my neighbors. You can't tell me what to do. I think that's very much an American mentality, maybe because I grew up in Norway. So yeah. I see it differently. Yeah. I'm more yeah. definitely lean more to towards the socialism side of politics. Uh -huh. But you know, for example, the, the TV license that you have to pay yeah. in Norway, yeah. Yeah. that would never fly oh, in America. Fly. And when I, when I tell Americans about 
You know, in Norway, they'll come knock on your door and ask you how many televisions you have, and then you'll get a bill in the mail and have to pay a TV license. I see their jaws drop to the floor. They're like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? I can, I can tell you. When I'm I, okay with paying that. Yeah. You know, when I first came here, you know, things like that would surprise me because it was a foreign concept to me to have to pay, mm -hmm. you know, a, a pay a government tax, so to speak, in order to watch television. But how do I put this? <clears throat> I can't deny that some of those things were surprising. You know, the, the, the amount of taxes we pay here in Norway, for mm -hmm. example, and what it goes to. Well, well, that's the key. It's what the taxes go to. When I see what right. I get in return for the taxes I pay, then I'm all for it. And, right. and people will try to label these so-called socialistic, um, socialistic things that are in place here in Norway as something evil. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. There's a reason why Norwegians are rated as the happiest and wealthiest people in the world consistently at the top. You know, top at the right. very top or the top two or three. There's a reason for right. that. There's a certain amount of comfortableness and security that the people have over here that I think makes it well worth it to pay some extra taxes and a few extra fees. Yes. Absolutely. So I wouldn't mind paying higher taxes than what I pay. But it is because I have that mentality that that money goes to everyone. It helps everyone. There will come a time time and day where you will need that help, where I will need that help. Versus here in, especially in Arizona, where, where it's a very conservative state, mm -hmm. people don't want to contribute to the pot because they don't want to pay for others because there's so many that do not pay, and I can understand that, but what happens when it's your mother or your great aunt exactly. or someone in your family? Maybe you have the financial means to pay for them, but when someone gets cancer and they lose their house because they don't have the correct medical yeah. insurance, that just breaks my heart. And I think that's it's barbaric. It does more than break my heart. I think it's barbaric to watch citizens just die because they don't have the money or maybe they get better and they get the medical care they need but in the process of that they go bankrupt there's right. something wrong with that right. there's something barbaric I, I think for any nation that nation should be thinking about the collective good in mm -hmm. other words if you're going to be a great nation, if you're going to be on the top of the pile when it comes to nations and their wealth and their, their, their livability and whatnot, wouldn't you want as many people in your nation as possible to have it as well as possible financially, right. socially, good house, good job, all, all that stuff? Wouldn't you want the collective group to be doing as well as possible? And, you know, and, and to right. me, most people say yes to that. And yet... They don't want to do things like pay, uh, you know, pr pay a few extra taxes to provide health care for everyone. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there. People always ask me when they find out that I'm from Norway. They always ask me, well, "What's better? Which do you like more?" And I get that question too. You can't contrast it exactly. Um, fairly because no. there are pros and cons with everything. Sure, sure. Um, you know, when I moved to the United States, I got a job at a gym and 
I basically had to start my career over from scratch because no one knew me in Norway. Um, I, I kind of had a reputation. I had a name for myself. There's not many people named Carrie that do fitness there. No, so, no. you know, I, I was well known in the community no. and stuff. And then when I came here, I, I had to start all over. I had to prove myself. And um, I actually got fired from my first job ever because, as you know, oh. in Norway, we don't fire people. No. <laughs> um, Strong unions. In, in, yes. In Arizona, I got fired. And I took that opportunity to start my own fitness business. And that is one thing I will give the United States. It is definitely a place where you can provide yourself with opportunities. Yes. I'm not saying it's easier, but you can definitely provide yourself yeah. with opportunities. Yeah. And it would not have been as easy to just say, you know, two days after getting fired, I'm just going to start my own business in Norway. I don't believe. Um, but when people say what's better, you know, I definitely mentioned education and healthcare in Norway is better, but yep. there's a lot more freedom in the United States. It just depends on, you know, what you want, what your values are. Well, what do you put I in that word mind. freedom? How Explain that. How is there more freedom in the United States than in Norway? Well, freedom in the sense of, for example, when I tell people that the stores are closed on Sundays, or when I tell them about the vin monopola, yeah. you know, they the their store. eyeballs yeah. jump out of their sockets, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're like, what, the government owns the alcohol sales? What, <laughs> the government rules when you can buy alcohol, it's closed on Sundays? You know, freedom in that sense that you can up and go and do what you want, when you want, however you want. Uh, type of sense. I, I hear you. I hear you, but I don't. I don't. Those. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't mind some of those uh, quote unquote limitations um, that we find in Norway. I don't mind having less hustle and bustle in life, um, going at a slower pace. I think in. In the United States, people, when they want something, they want it now, and they nothing's going to stop them. They're going to get it right now. In <laughs> Norway, it's a little slower. Yeah, it is. And I think that that's what I mean with freedom. I see. Um, because I don't feel any loss or any less free over here. Mm -hmm. In fact, in, in many ways, I feel more free in the sense that I have more free time if i can put that in air yes quotes. i do yeah i have a better balance between work life and and free time slash hobbies but i think norway um does a good job by making sure we have that type of balance yeah a normal work week here is 36.5 hours a week whereas in the states they say it's 40 but i believe the most recent study said that on average, American workers are doing 49 or 48 point something hours a week. So there's a big difference and there's no difference in the productivity between, right. between the two states. So that, that's very interesting. So there's a better mm -hmm. balance, uh, better balance between free time and work over here. So that I, that I do enjoy. Right. Well, I've noticed with myself um, particularly now since, since we're working remotely, um, you know, I shut notifications off on my emails. Uh, 
And uh, yesterday I had a coworker call me and one of the tasks I've been assigned to now during this work remotely time is to offer support for the other instructors, almost like a mini tech support. <laughs> and because uh, I know the learning management system very well, but, you know, I had an instructor call me yesterday to pick up the phone because Otherwise, that's all we will be doing is work, 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 and yeah. I don't want to. No. I, I was yesterday. You gotta breathe too. You have to breathe. Yes, I was just chilling, watching Amazon, having a beer when she called, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to answer because I'm not at work right now. Yeah. And, and that should be allowed me, with a clear conscience. Yes. But I had to work on that. I had to tell myself that's okay. It's okay to turn off those notifications on the work email because (laughs) otherwise, as soon as they pop in, I check. You know, I also turned off the notifications on my phone. I mean, on my smartwatch because I don't want to be the person who's constantly checking. Um, That's the best thing. Yeah. When I look at my screen time, on average, you know, I don't even want to mention my numbers. They're so high that uh-huh. it's embarrassing. I, I literally look at my numbers and I'm like, what the hell, Carrie? You are on your phone that much. Uh, and I, then I realize a lot of it's obviously for work, but still, I'm, it's too much. Well, the, one of the best things I ever did, and I noticed the difference immediately, was maybe six months ago, I turned off uh, all of the sound notifications on my cell phone. So if someone mm-hmm. sends me a, a, a text message... You know, or uh, if someone if someone um, tries to hit me up on Twitter or you know whatever on Messenger, all those sounds I turned them off about six months ago, and my goodness, I am so much more relaxed because you get mm-hmm. a little kick of adrenaline, a little bit of kick of of those stress hormones every oh, time absolutely. you hear that bell ring or that little buzz it's or that addictive. little sound. Absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was uh, reading a study, and um, it was showing that we were getting withdrawals from checking social media. Yeah. If yeah. we didn't get enough um, notifications, yeah. you know, those ding-dings on your yeah. phone, then you would get withdrawals, and we would go in and mindlessly yeah. check notifications, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, am I getting anything? And it wouldn't even make us happy. We were getting, um, we, we would get a little bit of adrenaline rush when we would yeah. check the notifications, but then it would subside so quickly that you would have to continuously do that. And it's mind boggling. I, I too have turned off notifications, um, especially on all those social media platforms because I just spend the whole day just answering notifications, yeah. you know? It's, it's so crazy that, you know, it used to be back in the day, people would call you on your landline, and if you weren't there, then you just weren't there, and they had to wait and try to get a hold of you later. Now, mm-hmm. if you don't answer that messenger uh, thing, or if you don't answer that, you know, the, when they send you a, a message on your iPhone, a text message, mm-hmm. and those three little dots come up and they know that you're looking at it. And if you don't answer right away, they get offended. I guess right. people are just, that wasn't me, by the way, people, that was her dog making that noise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if you don't answer right away, people are getting, people are getting pissed. They're getting offended. Hey man, I saw you. No, I know you saw my message. Why didn't you answer? And that's just, right. that's and not healthy. So that's for not that healthy. Reason. No, it's not. But for that reason, I have on all of the 
uh, I have an iPhone, so you get those little read, yeah. red receipts, yeah. so people can see when I read their messages. Yeah. I will not turn that off nope. because I don't want to read until I'm ready to respond. Same thing with Messenger. If someone sends me a message, if I'm not ready to respond, I yep. will not read it. Yeah. Chill um, out, people. Remember what it's like to have a normal... Because I don't want them... Yeah, people right. forget what it's like to and have I a normal relationship, say, a normal communication relationship where sometimes exactly. it takes time. <laughs> well, and then even that with like you're going back to the whole landline thing. Um, I want to say, I don't know, a couple months ago, I locked myself out of my house oh. and my car. I was just having a, a, a day. <laughs> I had right. the keys to the house on the counter or the car and the house on the counter. And I had my phone in the car and I was in the house and I locked the car from inside the house, mm -hmm. went to go grab something. Then I was going to go out to the car and I locked the house door with the twist lock on the door. Right. And then I went out and then I went to the car and I forgot that I had locked oh. the car because I had left the phone in the car. So then my phone was also locked in the car. I had no <sighs> phone. I had no car. I had oh, no house. Wow. Um, and so I went to the neighbor's Exposed house. Exposed for them coyotes. Door. That's when the coyotes are yeah, waiting to get yes. you. <laughs> and I, w I went to the neighbor's house, and I'm like, can I borrow your phone, please? And she's like, sure. And then I'm like, okay, wait, whose number do I know? <laughs> whose number do I know that can help me with get into something? And so luckily I remembered my friend's number, and he has a set of keys to my house and my car. So he could actually come open everything up for me, but... At one point, I was like, what if I didn't remember that number? I would have been screwed. Oh, thank you. I called yeah. a, locks, a locksmith and paid a whole bunch of money yeah. to get into my car or my house. Or stay out and make friends with the coyotes one way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, uh, I, I can just picture myself. The, there was a time where if I would forget my cell phone, uh, you know, not lose it, but just leave it at home. Forget to put it in my pocket mm -hmm. as I went out the door and you drive off. And then 10 minutes later, you realize you don't have your cell phone and that feeling, mm -hmm. that little empty feeling in your chest where your heart drops. And it's like that, that's just not good. That's not healthy. Right. You should be able to survive, you know, right. a, a day or I so. I started to put my cell phone, like leave it in the car and the glove compartment mm -hmm. so when i'm driving it turns on like a drive mode so that text yeah. messages don't come through yeah. um and then like i'll put my playlist <laughs> on and i'll put it in the glove compartment so that i don't like deal with it while i'm driving right. but then when i started going into like the grocery store and stuff too i'll just leave it in the glove compartment because i don't need my phone when i'm going you really shopping. don't you really don't and so it's habit to carry I'm that thing around to is and and when you're carrying it around you tend to look at it yeah. and if someone else gets a message and you hear their sound you tend to look at your own phone yeah, for yeah. no reason i didn't feel a vibration i didn't hear a sound and i still tend to look at my phone so i've started to slowly leave my phone if i'm just going for like a short errand either in the car or at home um because i am very dependent on my phone and i don't want to be it's a weird social and, development. It's just strange that that stupid mm -hmm. little hunk of metal is so important to us. Strange. It is. And um, it's not comfortable being addicted to something like no, that. It's not. I don't think I'm addicted to my, now I'm going to do a little introspection here. I don't think I'm addicted to my phone. Um, I need it. It makes my life easier. Um, mm -hmm. With the things that I do, I do need to contact people 
people and I need to be contacted. I, I, I guess that thing I did, you know, about six months ago, cutting off all of the notifications and all the stupid sounds, buzzes and, 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 and bells, that was my acknowledgement of, I don't know, that was my, that was my, me raising my fist <laughs> to this bully that we call a cell phone. Just by turning off all that stuff, it just made things easier. It made me have a more relaxed relationship with that stupid phone. Yeah, I I did that too, but I found myself still using it a lot. That's why really? I think I'm even addicted. without the notifications. <clears throat> yeah, wow. and so I. Um, so you were hooked. I, yes. <laughs> so I turned on a uh, on the the iPhone. You can set limits for how many minutes you're able to be on certain apps. That's a good so solution. I, yeah. I do have a limit for Facebook and Instagram. How, how many minutes a day or hours a six, day? Six, 60 minutes a day. 60 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Does this so, messenger, does this messenger uh, chat count towards that? It does not. Cause we've done, um, we've done an hour and seven minutes so far. <laughs> yes. So no, this, this is actually through messenger. I don't have, um, I don't have a time limit for messenger, okay. but, um, I don't have the notifications on. So actually messenger doesn't even pop up on my phone unless someone's calling me. So I actually have to go in. So sometimes I'll forget that I even have messenger, oh. but it'd be interesting. I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I put the limit so that it will automatically shut off the app. And then if I try to go back into the app, it says you've met your time limit and then you can bypass it for one minute, 15 minutes or for the rest of the day. Okay. But and it just so makes it just you makes aware that you've gone over more aware. Yeah. Yes. You know, I don't, yes, it would be interesting to see how many minutes I'm on social media. I don't think I'm on social media a lot. It's not like I sit down and I'm on it for an hour or two, but I bet you it adds up during the day. I do post quite a few things throughout the day whether it's on my whether it's on, yes. whether it's on my artist account or on my private account or twitter or whatever i don't, but I, I don't same know. thing I don't, with me yeah i don't feel that it takes it's, up a large part of my day but i uh, maybe i should check that uh check that check out that app i recommend checking it out because for me i'm never on facebook for more than 10 maybe 15 minutes max well, but it is all of the one minutes here the two uh, minutes there the three up. minutes there yes and i do use facebook for work i'm posting on our social media we have two facebook pages yeah. that we do we have two instagram pages uh for one of the facebook and instagram pages i'm the one who runs the page so when i post things um, you know, I, I use Hootsuite, um, okay, yeah. which is, yeah. have you heard of that? Yes, yeah. So yeah. I, I'll just plug everything in. It'll get scheduled. It'll go out. But you need to also make sure you have time to answer people and, That's true. you know, That's respond important. to their comments. Yeah. And then yeah. as of now, we're doing tons of videos um, for one of the gyms I teach at. We're doing live videos. So I'll go into the gym and teach a live video. Then, you know, I, I want to connect with my participants so after the fact, I'll come home, I'll respond to comments and likes and all of that. And, uh -huh. and then, you know, I'll put it away for a little bit and then I'll have more comments based off of those comments. And it just, it's a never ending yeah. cycle. Yeah. Um, and so even if I'm only on for three minutes here or two minutes there, it totally adds up throughout the day. And I'm just But like, you're not crap. really just, you're not on there just screwing around. It sounds like you are mostly in the context of work that you're on there and there's that's okay, isn't it? Or? Mostly. I mean, uh -huh. I do post post some stuff on my private page. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I am there definitely I would say 75% is for work um but I stopped the mindless scrolling one thing I learned was to (laughs) not scroll while laying in bed and when I do reach for the phone in the morning if well I don't need an alarm anymore but um before I would use an alarm the first thing I would do is check Facebook there goes 10 minutes of your morning for no and it's Freaking not reason. And it's not healthy to wake up to everybody's bullshit from the night before. That's not exactly. Good. Oh. And Oof. well, and I'm not even getting stuff necessarily from the night before because I have so many friends in Europe that yeah. And I'm assuming you realize this is yourself with all your friends and family in the United States because of the time difference. You're uh-huh. constantly yeah. getting notifications. Yeah, I I think I'm pretty good at grouping it into blocks throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I really do make an effort to not let myself get consumed by social media. I use it, uh, in a business sense and I use it also just for the fun of it, but it's, 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 um, I try to keep a good balance. I mean, I like to live in the here and now I I hate it when I'm at a function and people are filming it. Like if, um, um, we're at a concert or, or some sort of live performance and people are filming, put your dog on phone down and watch the performance. So I apply that thought process over to the social media. And if I want to know how somebody is doing, I'll pick up the phone and call them or I'll do a video chat with them. You know, uh, the, the scroll yeah. and just to check out what everybody is up to that. That's, uh, ah, I don't know. There's something that's just not healthy in that. It I wasn't meant to be now, life. Wasn't meant to be like that. It wasn't meant to be like that. It's not natural. Right. Right. One thing that I will say that's been positive with this whole COVID-19 is that I've definitely connected more with some friends that, you know, I I love to spend time with, but we have been so busy and our schedules uh, have conflicted. And like, I live in North Phoenix. I have some friends that live in South Phoenix. And we never meet because it's so hard to get our schedules to work. And then everyone has family, school, other commitments, blah, blah, blah. But now we're able to actually say, okay, Friday night, let's do game night. And all of us will log on and we'll do, you know, we had girls night, had some drinks, played some games, chatted, and we just had so much fun. And I will say, I've definitely been video chatting a lot more with my friends and connecting more because now I feel like there's less distractions in the world because we're not running from place to place. Right, and right. I love that. I love having standing appointments with some of my girlfriends oh, that's great. to face FaceTime and talk and, yeah. and it helps to feel connected to people, especially now in a time where we're not really seeing people. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, um, they're saying isolate at home, and that can have a different effect on you socially if you're alone. Um, you're you're single now, right? Oops, the sound is gone. Sorry, yeah, you sorry, yeah. I had yeah. you on mute for a second there. Okay. Um, yes, I am single, so I'm alone a lot, um, yeah. and. You know, I've I've noticed um, I've been more sad. Honestly, really, I've had I've had more of those highs and lows. I would say with uh-huh. the whole uh, stay-at-home order because um, I I don't see people and at work 
uh, when I used to go into work, you know, I'm teaching classes with 20, 30, 40 people in the class. Oh, so, so you're getting losing. a lot more social socialization versus yeah, now that now I'm not getting missing, that. Yeah, now you're missing that social stimulation. You're That's right. You're used to being in front of a good-sized crowd on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yes. So for me, it's been really hard. And, um, you know, I've done online dating. I've actually been on a couple of virtual dates. Hold on um, now. Let's stop right there. Online dating. Okay. Now. Um, it can be a whole podcast in its own. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does that work? How? Let me, okay. I'll just ask you. As a woman. Um, women are not less than men, but women in general are much less strong or they're a lot weaker physically than a man. So when mm -hmm. you do an online dating thing and you're going to go out there, when it gets to the point where you go out there and meet that stranger. Mm -hmm. Oi, what was that? That was interesting. You there? I'm here. Sorry. The oh. puppy bit the big dog. Oh. <clears throat> it's ah. feeding time and the puppy gets a little crazy. You're talking about how you're feeling it with the isolation. Maybe they're going a <laughs> oh little Oh my nuts. gosh. <laughs> you should. I'm going crazy with these dogs. <laughs> Sorry oh. about that. No, it's okay. It's okay. I have to separate hey, them. Hey, we, we, we keep it live here. No editing here. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, well, yes. Um, yeah, isn't there no, a isn't there isn't, so, isn't there a certain amount of fear? Um, I'm not afraid per se. I don't think um, you should live in fear, but but there's a certain know, reality that has to be it. acknowledged. Okay, yeah, you're not done well, about I, it. Yeah. I would never go. I would never go meet someone in a private place. No. Um, always in a public place. So that first meet when it's not dark out. Okay, so that first meet is like you know lunch at a at a at a cafe coffee. somewhere or something. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's coffee at Starbucks. And how, how long you have know, you been online dating then? Um, honestly, it's been on and off. Yeah. I have been single for over a year. And then prior to that, I was with a guy for a while that I actually met online. Um, and, um, I mean, it was good while it lasted, but it didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I've recently started online dating again, but I've been on and off. I feel like with my job, it's hard to meet someone because I don't go out. Like I don't go to bars and I don't no. go partying per se. Well, I'll go to a bar every now and then with some yeah. friends, but like I don't go partying. Okay. And, um, since I, I work at a school, I'm definitely not going to meet anyone there. Um, and so for me, it's just been more of the, like, where am I going to meet someone? All of my friends are married or in, okay. you know, relationships okay. and stuff. So, uh, I feel like that's more so my reason of doing it. Yeah. Um, has but, it ever gone? Has it ever gone totally south? Has it? Has it been? You know, maybe the guy has misrepresented himself, and then you meet him uh, live, oh, so to speak. Absolutely. And it's like, 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 what is the? What is the? What's a typical experience if it goes wrong like that? What? What, what can it be like? What's the worst? Um. Well, I've and I ask, and I ask because I know. I ask because I really don't know. I have no idea. I've been married for twenty years, so. 
Yeah. Well, one of my closest friends, she actually just celebrated in December her one-year um, anniversary, wedding anniversary, with the guy she met online. So okay. it definitely works. I have another friend who has been with the guy for like five years, and they met online. Um, I, I honestly think that's kind of a new way of dating in our yeah, society. It seems to be. It seems to be. Um, but, um, you know, I've met guys who have definitely posted pictures from their college years and now they're in their forties. <laughs> um, <clears throat> or pictures where they were a lot lighter than they are now. Uh-huh. But I'm sure that goes both ways with both men and women. Um, How and I've terrible. also had guys who are like, Yes, it is terrible because you feel like you wasted your time. I'm just wondering, um, what are they I, thinking? They're, they're like, okay, I'm going to send her the picture when I was, you know, uh, you know, 100 kilos with, uh, you know, with a washboard stomach, and now they're 150 mm-hmm. kilos and as round mm-hmm. as a Pillsbury Doughboy. What are they thinking? How could they think that that is going to get them anywhere? Once, <laughs> right? Strange, strange. So what do you do? Right. What do you do when you're met with that situation? You thought you were getting, you, uh, you thought you were getting uh, Apollo Creed, but uh, but Cleveland from the Family Guy shows up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Um, I mean, you're polite. You have coffee, and then you you go home, and you think no thanks. You know what I mean? Um, I'm very opinionated. I I'm very <laughs> independent. I'm very strong. Um, a strong personality. So I will tell a guy like, thanks, but I don't think this is going to work out. You know, I don't mind doing that. Um, but you know, I've also met guys who are incredibly handsome. They're just, you know, drop dead gorgeous, Uh but then they're, they're idiots (laughs) between their ears or they're so, um, I, I would say small minded or so, um, their personalities are so strong that you just know that it's we're going to butt heads and it's just not going to work. I, I, I sit here trying to think, you know, I, I plan on being married with my wife until one or both of us dies. But when I look out there at this phenomenon, I call it a phenomenon because for me it's so foreign, this idea of online dating, the idea of dating period, how in the world, how do you do that? How do you, uh, (laughs) how do you do it? How do you get to know somebody? How do you open yourself up for? (sighs) Um, you just, I mean, that sounds like a stupid question, but to me, it really is a foreign concept to try and make myself presentable for a woman. I'm married to my wife. She sees me every day. I don't have to prove anything. Uh, yeah. It's not, um, it's not, it's just as hard, I think, as being in a regular relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's the way of life now, I think. We're so, technology is such a big aspect. And that is how we're connecting, even like on social media. So basically, it's just a different social media site. So, so that connect, um, so that connecting process. How how long do you? I don't know. Do you chat with them? Do you have video meetings first before you actually meet face to face? How long does that process last before you give yourself and them the chance, the opportunity to get to know them met, uh, better? 
So I think that varies from person to person. So and and What's then, your routine? Um, so I I'm probably not the right one to ask because I am like I'll put a guy through the ringer. Maybe that's why I'm so <laughs> single. Because <Yeah>. I. <laughs> I'm very um, strict on certain things. You know, I definitely want to talk for a little bit. I want to do a phone call. I want to make sure, you know, preferably a video chat. I want to make sure you are who you are. But there is no 100% guarantee that someone is who they say they are. There's no guarantee that that's what, you know, they can be the sweetest, nicest guy online and then they're an asshole in person but that yeah, can be in yeah. real life too you can meet someone true. in real yeah. life at a bar or a restaurant or a coffee yep. shop whatever and then start talking to them and then you know one month down the road yeah, yeah. they turn out to be a psychopath yeah. I that could be anytime so i've <laughs> yeah. had guys where i've talked to them you know for a month before i dated them or went on an actual date i've also had guys i've spoken to for two days and then gone on a date okay um so you just kind of feel it out and see every, what happens mm-hmm. yeah. every connection is different um so i kind of started online dating again in um right before this whole COVID thing hit and i am kind of conducting my own research okay how so um in the sense of i didn't put any pictures up of myself uh-huh. So I put up a picture of a sunset that I took. It's from the mountain where I live. I took yeah. that picture. Yeah. Um, and then I did write a little bit about myself. I just put that I'm a teacher. You know, I put my age. I put that I'm outgoing. I'm positive, caring. Um, and then I will see, you know, if I match with people. And I have so many guys say, how come you have no pictures? And I tell them it's because of several reasons. One, I don't want to meet any of my students online. Two, uh, yes. I think that a guy who just is looking for a hookup probably doesn't want to actually interact with someone he doesn't know if he's physically attracted to. Right. They're not going to put the time into it. Correct. Now, I really do think that physical attraction is important. Sure. So obviously, I'm only you know liking guys that I'm physically attracted to. So maybe it's kind of a you know, being a little bit of a hypocrite. But no, I don't think there's a, no, I know that no, I'm looking, no. I know that I'm looking for a long-term relationship. I'm yeah, not looking yeah. for a hookup. You know, I'm looking for a genuine connection. Well, they got to look and, good. Um, First thing I noticed on my wife was that booty. I'll just, I'll say that loud and clear. That's just <laughs> the truth. You know, the physical attraction, you cannot, you cannot ignore that. That is part of the package. Right. And so I feel like they have to hold a little bit more of a conversation with me. Yeah. Um, before I want to truly expose myself, I guess. So if they are willing to, you know, talk a little bit, then I will um, send a picture yeah. and I'll just give them like my Instagram account. So they won't they actually have my phone number or anything. Right, right. And then they can maybe look through your Instagram account and see, okay, this is what she looks like. This is, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so... Um, for me, I've personally found that I've been speaking um, more in depth with people versus when I would have a picture up, even if I would say I'm not looking for anything, uh, I'm not looking for a hookup, I want something serious. People would still try to match with me and still, you know, I think guys, there's probably women out there that do it too, so this is no offense to the men, but I think guys are like, oh, challenge accepted. She okay. says she doesn't want to hook up, challenge accepted. <laughs> I genuinely feel people are like that. And sure. so I think that since I have no picture up, mm-hmm. they are more 
less prone to contact me if they feel like it's going to be more work. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's almost like a natural selection type of thing. The ones that do stick it out, even though there's no picture, there's, they're the ones that are maybe going to take the whole thing and take you more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have so much, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do. I think I'm attractive. Sure, um, you are. I'm looking at you on the video. You're but, a nice looking woman. <laughs> thank you. I'm, but I'm also very smart. Yeah. I'm very ambitious. I have goals. I'm very caring. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of positive attributes that, that I can bring to the table. And I want to promote those more than, right. um, you know, how, how I look. Yeah. Even though I do understand that physical attraction is very, very important. Sure. Um, there is there's so much more to me than just that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, that's why. And so I feel like all of the connections that I've been making have definitely been more, um, there's more depth to them yeah. than from before when I actually did have a picture. Wow. But now, you know, now we're not, we're not dating dating because of COVID. Yeah. So now it's like, Hey, let's have a date on Thursday night at six o'clock. We'll have a video date. You there know? you go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And those connections are almost even more important to me because then I can see, can they hold a conversation? Yeah. Are they, yeah. Yeah. If they're a babbling fool and, uh, yeah, you're just going to be able to read a person when you have that face to face, face to face, so to speak by video, that conversation, then you can read them a little bit better and see what you're getting into. Exactly. Interesting. So I feel for me, and it's only been friendships this far, but I still feel like that's okay because those are people I'm actually able to talk to and hold a conversation with and, and they can become good friends. So maybe I should have my wife like go sit in the living room. I'll sit here in my studio and we can do video chats and see what (laughs) what that does for our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, We've been together for 20, we've been married for 20 years, but can we still talk to each other? Let's give that a try on a video chat. (laughs) Oh, I well, don't want anyone to have to do online dating, though, because it does suck. I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. But just like with regular dating, you know, there are yeah. pros and cons. Yeah, I'm not knocking uh, online dating, but it is very strange. And strange is okay. You know, I'm not putting anything mm-hmm. negative in that word. But it, it's, I don't know, it's different. It's strange. <laughs> One thing that I do find to be, I guess, more challenging with online dating versus meeting someone in a more, um, well, uh, uh, older traditional manner. I think now online dating is a traditional manner, but is that um, it's just like with everything else. We want instant gratification. And so if you don't tick off all of the boxes as quickly as someone wants you to, I feel like it's okay next. And I'm, and I'm probably guilty of doing that myself with guys. Um, I wonder if that's why so many marriages fail. Oh, probably. They have that first accelerated. They have that first argument and then that's it. They, you know, next. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not willing to put in the work, not willing to compromise. And, you know, a relationship is give and take. And I have to work a lot with my wife. I don't think she's human. I think my wife is, (laughs) I think my wife is an alien with a couple of uh, data chips that, uh, that need to be renewed. (laughs) She's she's a b- bizarre little thing. 
Maybe that's why you guys work so well. <laughs> well, she keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You know, I, I have to so be careful I, saying she's an alien. My kids, I, I used to say, I, I've been saying that for years. And I remember one of the first times I said it and our kids were like maybe age five and seven at that time. And they just kind of slowly looked at me and then looked at their mother. And I could just think, oh my gosh, I can't be telling these little children that I think their mother's oh, an alien. They, oh, yeah, they, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Time and a place. Time and a place. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, she, uh, my, my wife takes a lot of teasing for me, but I tease because I love. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm glad she doesn't um, come. I'm glad she doesn't come to my stand up routine. Cause I get pretty, well, she's famous. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> 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 I don't think she'd be, uh, well, I think she'd be sharpening her knife if she heard some of the things I say about her in my routine. So <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do you get more nervous when she's, if she does come? Well, she's only been to one. The very, the very first time I was on stage, she was there. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was not nervous. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a bit of a showboat. Um, what I found is when people, um, like for ex example, if I'm performing music, if I'm on stage and I know that someone out there in the crowd is a close friend or someone, I like to find them and I like to perform to them. It's like mm -hmm. I'm showing off, hey, look at this, you know, I can do this, you know, tell me afterwards how much you like this, you know. It's like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's that showboat thing. So no, I don't... Uh, uh, Although my wife has not come to my stand-up routine since that first time, if she were to come, I wouldn't change. I think it would actually make my routine better if I could yeah. say what I say about her and then point to her in the crowd and say, yeah, everybody, there she is. <laughs> and it would just bring a whole, it, it would actually probably bring a whole another aspect to my, uh, to my stand-up comedy routine. So, but it just, Interesting. It has, but, but it hasn't really worked for her to come. She works, uh, she works a night shift, a lot of night shift. And, and she doesn't really think I'm funny. She's see, and, and that's what <laughs> I think her funny microchip that the, the aliens put in her is malfunctioning. Cause she, uh, <laughs> she's just different. She has, a, I think Norwegians in general have a different sense of humor, but her sense of humor is different from that again. So she's like two steps. Yeah. She's two steps removed from what I think is funny. <laughs> so it, it, it just puts extra challenge on what I have to say to make her smile. So. But I do. I have a goal. I do. Well, I have a very conscious goal that I will make my wife and our two kids smile at least once every day. I'm sorry, not smile, laugh, laugh. I will make them laugh every day, regardless. So that's yeah. a daily, daily goal that's a that great I have. Goal. Yep, absolutely. Daily goal that I have. Well, if she doesn't think you're funny and she is actually <laughs> laughing, then that means that you must have said something really funny. <laughs> yeah, because she's, uh, she's a hard one to please. She's, it's hard to make yeah. that woman laugh. Listen, Carrie, how, how do people find you on social media? Are you most act, are you most active on Instagram or Facebook? Um, I think I'm most active on Facebook. Um, I'm trying to migrate a little bit more towards Instagram just because uh -huh. I feel that that's kind of what society is doing as well. Um, but I am, I'm on both on, um, Instagram. My handle is P T Carrie. And that's Carrie K-E-R-R-Y. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. PTK. And then on uh, for personal trainer, Carrie. Yeah. Um, and then on Facebook, it's Carrie Lynn Taft. So and it's Lynn, L-Y-N-N. Very, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Taft, like President Taft. So yeah. I always make this joke about my presidential name, Taft, like <laughs> President Taft, Carrie, like John Kerry. There you go. <laughs> Listen, I uh, have really enjoyed myself talking to you. I, I've seen you kind of floating around there on social media. We're in a, like I said, we're in a group uh, of Americans in Norway together. So I see you floating around in there, and this has just been enjoyable uh, to talk to you a little bit. I think the listeners will enjoy this podcast episode when I post well, it up. Thank you so much for having me and dealing with my craziness of life and dogs and. And, you know, time difference and well, well, I online like, dating and everything. Well, I, I like what you're doing as far as the, the fitness aspect of things. I, I it, it fascinates me with the, um, the education that you have and the knowledge that you have. It's, it's, a, it's a different facet of fitness than what I am mm-hmm. using. You know, I'm, I'm into the powerlifting and, and, and things like that, whereas you have a more cerebral, a more doctor-ish uh, medicine view over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's been fascinating. I could see myself yeah. inviting you back to talk more about that. You know, let the nerds, oh, yeah, let the, will, let the nerds um, and geeks hear what, uh, what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. I suggest checking out an initiative called exercises medicine. Um, yeah. there's tons of free resources. It's an initiative that's in, I don't know how many countries, but a lot of countries. Um, and basically, it'll kind of break down in you know sixth grade level uh, benefits of exercise, health benefits of exercising, and using exercise as medicine. Do they have a Facebook page or a, uh, yeah, a web, so web page? Mm-hmm, they're on Facebook. If you just Google exercises medicine, okay. it'll all pop up. It's an initiative from American College of Sports Medicine. Um, but they're all over the world. Let's see. What did you call it? The American. I'm writing this down. College. college American College of Sports Medicine. Okay. I will make sure that I give them a shout out so that people right. hear what that's all about. The Exercises Medis- Medicine Initiative from the American College mm-hmm. of Sports Medicine. You're so Correct. cerebral. Uh, not, not that I'm a meathead, but uh, you're, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the the more cerebral, like I say, the the if I can use the word doctorish view of of um, of sports, of training, of health, uh, is is fascinating. I think um, people who otherwise don't have that deep education can have a little bit of learning to gain just from listening to people like you and getting your take on things. Yeah, for yeah. me, it's. I mean, I've had people who, you know, want to gain muscle. They, they want to do, like, heavy lifting. I've had people who want to lose weight. I've had moms right after having a child just want to get back to the yep. gym. I've had all types of clients, kids, um, older adults. But for me, exercise isn't necessarily about looking good in a bikini or right. how many, you know, how many pounds or kilos you can squat. For me, hey it's now. Hey using now. exercise. <laughs> I knew you would say something. <laughs> it's uh, me using exercise for health and teaching yes. people how they can be healthy, you know, lower your risk of uh, heart disease or high blood yeah. pressure or yeah. stroke as just much, from walking 30 minutes a day. Sure. As much as I am... Um, 
you know, into the powerlifting aspect of it and, and, you know, wanting to, to, to better my personal records and whatnot, as much as I'm into that, I'm even more into the broader sense of training and fitness and what it can do for a person mentally and emotionally and how the mm-hmm. discipline that you find within a training routine or, or a sports discipline, how that can bleed into your life and carry oh, you absolutely. onward. That's, that is, that's absolutely. my thing. So I, within that whole thing, I could see you and I having another podcast episode that's maybe two hours long talking about those things. Yeah. Yes. There's so much research out there that shows um, how exercise can improve quality of life. So that's a topic I will never get tired of talking about. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I will, uh, I'll definitely be inviting you back maybe a little bit later so you don't have to get up at five in the morning. <laughs> I'm good at early in the morning. So yeah, it, yeah. whenever. Okay. Well, watch out for those coyotes. Stay alive. And then we will uh, definitely talk again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Carrie Lynn Taft, everyone. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I will talk to you later. Okay. See you. Bye. Okay, everybody. That's Carrie Lynn Taft. And I just want to say thank you all for being with me on this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. I know.